y'all i'm donna and i'm carrie and we are paranormal chicks episode 243 and y'all we have been busy (laughs) so uh we had a yard sale slash garage sale at my house because i live on a busy street it literally is the perfect house for a yard sale it really is and so it was me donna my mom one of my sisters my niece-in-law like we all had stuff out there a lot of stuff I took a whole week off in prep for this. (laughs) But in my defense, I have like a bunch of vacation that I need to use before the end of the year. So I was like, well, put a perfect time. Let me just take this off. You know, help Donna, help my mom get their shit ready for the yard sale. That's all I did all week. Yes. I need to go back to work to get a damn vacation from my vacation. (laughs) I don't think I've ever worked so hard. It was a lot. What was supposed to be a four-hour yard sale on Saturday turned into a two-day-long yard sale because we started kind of just getting stuff set up Friday and people started coming. We needed those people, though, because the day that we weren't technically open, we had more success. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it totally worked out. Oh, yeah. Well, and I kind of figured, like, that if we started setting stuff up, people Mm -hmm. were going to come in because, again, it's such a busy street. Yeah. And we literally posted signs nowhere right i will say though i had a table that i got from donna's old old house and colby and i sanded it painted it with like the chalk paint you know did the whole thing i think you told them about it because you're like the first paint you tried to make it yourself yes 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 well y'all i love that table so much i've always wanted that table i just didn't have room for it like i just flat out didn't have room nor a place to store it so um We sold that. My niece came in clutch because she posted it on her Facebook and somebody saw it and came and bought it. Yes. Uh, Donna took the cake, though. Her dad was a damn hoarder. Yes. Of Campbell's soup, all the things. And M&M figures. And those went like hotcakes. I literally told Carrie, I was like, huh, I don't know what to price these. Should I just throw these away? She was like, no, 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 no. Just put something on there. And we were like, okay, that and Campbell's soup, first thing gone. Your parents knew how to yard sale, They man. really did. We cleaned out her dad's closet. Yeah, it, that all just came from my dad's closet. And when I say that there was minimum eight totes, full of Campbell's like like I'm talking like Rubbermaid totes full of Campbell's soup like memorabilia like mugs and pack like not packets of actual soup but like like gift sets and oh my god I've never in my life I knew he had a lot there's still some in there that we were just so tired that day we were like yeah we'll come back to it and then we didn't so there's like probably four more boxes are you serious yes Yes. I didn't realize there was that many. Well, there's two underneath his bed. True. All the things. It was kind of a hard week, too, though, unexpectedly, because we cleaned out Donna's dad's closet, which was hard for her, obviously. And then at my mom's, it took us two days at my mom's, me and her. We cleaned out her, like, her little storage shed. Well, it ain't little. It's fucking huge. Yes. Because that had some of my stuff when I lived in Houston. It had, you know, furniture that I just didn't use anymore. It had all kinds of my grandma's stuff. So that was hard going through my grandma's stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, the next day we went through my dad's stuff, was like getting rid of some of his clothes. We found one of my mom's yearbooks because they were high school sweethearts that had this like long note written to her from dad. Aww. And he said, even said, because their song, the first song they ever danced to was Unchained Melody. And he said it in the note. And he was like, I bet you thought I forgot that. Ha ha. Like, I don't oh, know. It was so cute. Yes. So it was a pretty emotional week, too. Yeah. I'm heartless. 
Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, that's my dad's hat that he always wore out. And Carrie's like, do you want to keep it? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thrower wear. You know this. Yeah. But at some point, you do kind of have to do that with some stuff because you just don't have the room. No. I think on my mom's, I only kept, like, two outfits that were her, like, favorite outfits. Yeah. Like, if you knew my mom, you knew these outfits. We are not one of those people who wear it once and are done. No, we wear it mm, a million times. Literally alternate days. <laughs> yeah. And then when it's, like, actually got huge holes, because if it's just got a few holes, that's okay. But ones that are, like, no, 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 then we have to throw it away. You know what? My mama loved to rip up my old panties because she would tell me, you need to throw those away. But you know, when you have your favorite panties, like you have your favorite panties and my mom would do laundry, like this was probably in high school, you know, but she would do the laundry and I was sitting there like helping her, but she got to like my clothes first and she was like, these are the panties I've been telling you. Like, there's a hole here, hole here. And she was like, here's a hole, here's a hole. And I was like, but they're not big. Like, they're just small. And she, she was like, <laughs> it's big now. Throw away. I was like, you're heartless. That's where I get it from. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> oh, my God, y'all. At the yard sale. So, I think that my house, my front yard has a lot of holes in it. Oh, God. And I think it's... You think? You think? <laughs> I think it's like where trees were and when Hurricane Katrina came, knocked them down and there, it's just like holes that they didn't fill in. Yeah, they didn't fill it right. So there are a, like two side by side that are really massive. And so Colby made some little stakes with some extra wood we had. And he was like, we need some like rope or something. And I was like, wait, we have caution tape from the podcast like that we take to like true crime podcast uh-huh. festival and stuff. I was like, we have caution tape no we don't have caution tape we have crime scene tape i, <laughs> like I it, pulled up and i was like why do they, they have a crime scene it literally says crime scene like no, not no caution. caution crime scene oh god i mean it worked so my nephew that's eight was here and they're from out of town and he came up and he was like why do y'all have crime scene and Colby said, that was the last guy that came that didn't buy anything. We put in there. <laughs> and Cole's eyes got huge. He was like, <laughs> We should have done that everywhere. Because people, I, they got to work out. <laughs> I tell you, we got to work out. We Walking sure around in an uneven yard is hard work for fucking three days. <laughs> it is. And when we took all the stuff to donate it, like what didn't sell, Kobe went and got his brother's trailer. We loaded that shit up and we took it to donate. And when we pulled up, the guy literally went, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And that was just a small portion because we had sold a lot. A shit ton. Yes. All the, look, if y'all have any yard sale, all the furniture goes. Yes. Okay. Enough about us and our yard sale. Let's talk about some Patreoners. Whoop, whoop. Thank you so much, Taya D from North Carolina. Genesee from Oregon. Carliana H from Washington. James M from the UK, who is my birthday twin. And Sunny B from Texas. Thank y'all so freaking much for joining Patreon. If you want an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. I finally finished Shits Creek. Well, tell us all about it. Well, I'm not going to tell you everything. Well, I don't mean that. I mean, like, how your experience was. Golly. Uh, I really liked it. As she says with her eyebrows raised and her mouth kind of in a frown. No, but I did. I said frowned. Frown. 
No, I really did like it. A lot of it wasn't like laugh out loud funny, but it was like funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, David, of course, favorite character. Mm-hmm. And um, Alexis, the daughter, she grew on me. Like there was some like parts of the show where I was like, oh, she's annoying. But then there were a part, like not her as a person, you know, but the, her character. And then there were other parts where I was like, oh my God, she's cracking me up. You know? Yeah. Honestly, from what I watched, I feel like Moira mm-hmm. and David were like the leads. Like they were the ones that you knew you were going to laugh at. But the dad and Alexis, they were the ones who like, you're like, oh, okay, okay. Right. And they moved the story along. I get that. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I watched something on Netflix called Sally the Killer or something like that. I can't remember the name now, but it was about two bodybuilders. Yes, I want to watch it. Okay, well, her husband, Ray, Ray McNeil, um, I remember him. I remember seeing him. I didn't know her. He did look familiar to me, too. Yes, I was like, oh, shit, this is bringing back memories. Like, I not any like solid memories but i remember seeing him on tv and yeah. being like damn yeah he is muscly like but then i heard like just this little bitty like snippet like in the preview that said something about like buying his steroids and i was like see that's shitty like you you're not winning if you're taking steroids like if you have to take steroids to make you a better ball player to make you more muscly to make you all that that ain't you winning that's cheating right i fucking hate cheating me too See, he got big on his own, Mm -hmm. but then his, like, friend was, like, because he wanted to be Mr. Olympia, and he was, like, you gotta have supplements. The friend or the gym owner or whatever started selling him steroids, and that's when he got even more aggressive, because he wasn't great before yeah, with his moods and everything, but with the steroids, it was, like, a whole new thing. Yeah, it was really good and sad that that people couldn't look at her and see her as a victim. They were just like, you're a bodybuilder too. You could not have been abused. Yeah, that's... And I'm like, whoa. But it was actually really good. Well, you know what else is really good? Babble. They're back. We're super excited about it because as y'all know, holiday season coming up. And sometimes it's super hard to find that unique gift for people. Well, look... Give them the gift of language. Ooh, with Babel. That's what she meant to say. <laughs> yeah, don't like cuss them out. <laughs> oh, gosh. But seriously, you know, you always have that one person that you just don't know what to give them. Give them something very useful for them. Also, you might have a child who's going to study abroad. Here you go. Here's his language learning app for you to brush up. So, like Donna said, it's a language learning app that has over 10 million subscriptions. So, that right there tells you it's a good app. But what makes it really good is that Babbel has fun, bite-sized language lessons so that you can finally start learning a language in a way that actually teaches you. And like she said, they're bite-sized, only 10 minutes to complete a lesson. And that's going to help you have real life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Because other apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel was created with 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers versus a computer. And can I highlight that she said you're going to learn a new language in under three weeks? That's faster than I change my bed sheets. Gross. (laughs) 
decade. There's also tons of different ways that you can learn a new language with Babbel. They have podcasts, games, videos, stories, and live classes. Better than that, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. And with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including, not limited to, Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash creep. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep, C-R-E-E-P, for up to 55% off your subscription. So don't dally. I don't know. That's what's supposed to be typing. Unsure. But do that noise to babble.com slash creep for up to 55% off your subscription. So the other day I was in a snapped mood, you know, the show, not like snapping on Colby. Oh, I was like, oh, tell us more. No, no, no. Like I wanted to watch the show. So I was perusing and this one looked good. Well, of course, there was like hardly anything online about it. Just a couple little articles. So this story was from Snapped season 27, episode 8. So this is the story of Dominique Whitaker and his high school sweetheart, Kayla Nelson. So Dominique was super well known in high school. He was a star basketball player. And eventually he started dating his high school sweetheart, Kayla Nelson, who was also a star athlete. She played basketball as well and was like the team captain and, you know, all the things. Everyone loved them, looked up to them, wanted to be them. Kayla had plans to go off to college. She even wanted to play basketball in college. She was a valedictorian of her high school. But, you know, um, when you have a plan in life, what life says to you, here, hold my beer. I got other plans. (laughs) Here's some lemons. Right. So Kayla actually ended up getting pregnant her senior year in high school. So that definitely put her plans on hold of going to college away, playing basketball and all of that. Now, Dominique was excited But he too had to turn down some schooling opportunities to help Kayla with the baby, who ended up being a baby girl. Now, when their little baby girl first came, they lived together for a little while. But here's the thing. They're straight out of high school. Bills start piling up quickly, and it becomes super hard to make ends meet. So they decide, look, let's both move back in with our respective families and raise this girl together. Their relationship continued, they were raising their daughter, and two short years later, they had a second baby girl. After they had both of their kids, Kayla was working at a restaurant, and she ended up being promoted to assistant manager. She's starting to do really well for herself, so she decides that it's time to build a house. Dang, they went from living with their parents to building a house? She was doing really well as an assistant manager. Now, they live in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, so it seemed a little more rural, so it's not like she's like in L.A. building a house, you know? I mean, it's... Which it's still an amazing feat to be able to, hell yeah, you know, buy land, build a house thing, thing, thing. <laughs> However, that works. I don't know. Now, people fully expected Dominique to move in with her. Yeah, because things seemed to be going really well for them. But on July 9th, two thousand ten, Mary Whitaker, Dominique's mom, calls police and she says, "Look, I haven't seen Dominique since July fourth. Now, at this time." He was living with his mom. And his mom's like, even though he lives here, it's not uncommon for her to not see him every day because he may go spend a couple of days with Kayla at her house and then come home. So even though he lived there, it wasn't like, it wasn't super uncommon that he may spend a couple of days with the kids and Kayla. Yeah. 
he was a homebody though. There ain't nothing wrong with that. But the other thing that was weird was that he always calls his mom. Even if he's going to be gone, he called his mom every single day. Who is he? Colby? Right. So detectives did their thing and took it seriously. And they go to the house to talk to Mary to be like, okay, like, tell me all the things. What's he like? What's he do? You know, is there anything missing in the house? They go to his room to look around. And Mary's like, I don't really know. I don't come in here a lot. His girlfriend Kayla does. We can see if she notices that anything's missing. You know, I should clean my room like police are going to have to come in and search. Because right now, there is shit everywhere. Oh, my God. With the amount of people that were in my house yesterday, and that's, <laughs> we still haven't done the dishes and all. Oh, my God. I would be like, uh, so don't mind the mess if police had to come. <laughs> yes. So Kayla comes over, and police just are getting to, you know, figuring her out, getting to know her. And they're like, hey, you know, what you been up to? And she says that she just got back from this church camp with some kids. And they're like, cool, cool. Do you notice anything, you know, missing in this room? And and she's like, yeah, there's a couple of things, like not essential stuff, like a bell to a hat, you know, that kind of thing. But Kayla's like, he wouldn't just disappear. He wouldn't just, you know, leave the kids, all of that. So they ask Mary, like, what was he wearing the last time you saw him? Just give us a description of him. And she said that Dominique had braids and that he would put beads in his braids. And that the last time she saw him, his beads were blue. Meanwhile, I'm like, okay, on point with your little 4th of July blue beads. Yes. You know, okay. I see you, Dominique. So people are super worried about Dominique because, like I said, he is a homebody. He's super quiet, stays to himself, like a gamer type guy that just stayed home and played his games. So people were like, how could Dominique possibly be missing? What the what? The what? Yeah. Like, even the detectives were like, you know, he had, like, a really nice gaming system set up. Like, he had his computer, you know, all the things. Like, he was, yeah. like, de- like that was his thing. That was the thing he spent his money on. You know, like, that was his hobby yeah. that he was very invested in. So, of course, with any missing person, police are digging into literally every aspect of his life, trying to figure out where the hell is he? Because he's low risk, as they say. You know, he's not going to be one to just disappear. He's never left for days on end. You know, you have some people that that's just what they do. Well, that wasn't Dominique. So they're like, well, did he get in a car accident? Is he, you know, in a ditch somewhere and we can't find him? So they check his phone and it's turned off. They look at his bank accounts and there's no record of any use from his bank accounts at all. So they call his work. Wait, at all during the days he's gone missing? Yes. Okay. What do you think I mean? Well, I just, it was an odd thing. Like at all. Why would that be a thing? You know how my brain works. And someone out there was probably like, what? Just like me. So then police go to his work and they're like, okay, when was the last time he was at work? And he hasn't been to work since the last time he was seen, you know, July 4th. And again, just like with all of these stories, they're like, it's not like him to miss work, actually. Well, based on his bank accounts, police are like, okay, at most he has a couple hundred dollars, which I mean, is a lot of money, but it's not enough to get him very far because Dominique didn't have a car. So any mode of transportation he would have had to have taken is probably going to cost him a good bit of money. Well, I was wondering when you said, is he in a car wreck or whatever? I'm like, well, is his car there? But then I was thinking if he had said he was going to see with the kids and stuff, then his car wouldn't be there. Right. Yeah. He didn't have one. He would share a car with his mom. So there was no, like her car was there. Yeah. 
But like I said before, he was a gamer. So the detectives were like, all right, let's actually look into some of his video game friends to see, like, could he have been catfished or something like that? But literally nothing panned out. They actually talked to some of his friends on there. Of course they did. And they're like, no, where is he? Like, he never misses blah, blah, blah. You know, like, what's going on? So now they're like, okay, any drug abuse, any gang activity? Not that gangs are, like, super common in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, but it happens, you know. But there was nothing. Dominique was a chill guy. Like, he didn't have anything going on. He was just this gamer dude that kept to himself. Well, on July 15th, a surveyor is out in the neighboring county when he notices something that doesn't seem quite right. No. So police get there, and they immediately notice the blue beads and what little hair was left. Oh, shit. So because of the beads, they were pretty confident, okay, this is Dominique. But of course, they you know have to do their due diligence. But they had a hard time telling what the cause of death was immediately because of the decomposition of the body. And additionally, he had been dead so long and was in like a rural kind of wooded area. So animals had scavenged the body. So they took the body to do an autopsy. And through the autopsy, they used DNA to confirm that the body was, in fact, Dominique Whitaker. Bless it. I mean, you know what's going to happen, but... I know. It's just... Sometimes I feel like shows will throw in one that they're not dead and it was like something else like, like, a, I, like disappeared how they'll be like oh they actually didn't disappear they really did run away and here they are yeah yeah so it's like i'm always hopeful that oh, okay she picked this one because of this you know yeah. or something so through the autopsy the emmy found that the cause of death was actually through a gunshot wound and they knew that it was a nine millimeter And from the angle of the gunshot wound, they knew that Dominique was shot in the back while he was like falling forward, almost like he was like running, trying to get away from something. Oh, gosh. Now, the hard part of this, well, it's all hard, but one of the worst parts of this is that there was evidence of charring on the bones (gasps) that showed that someone attempted to burn him to get rid of the body or evidence or both. Oh, my gosh. But they could tell that the body wasn't burned like where he was dumped. So basically the night they find his body, Kayla calls police and she says somebody came over to her house and taped a note to her garage. Police go over there to one, check out the note, but also to make sure she's okay. Like is somebody in the house? Did somebody break in? And there's nobody there and there's no signs that the house had been broken into, but they did find some cigarette butts and a note. The note said, we killed your boyfriend over our queen. You're next. Bloods for life. Okay. This note is supposed to be from, like, the gang. Yeah. Police are confused, though, because it's like, wait, we can't find any indication that Dominique is in a gang. Like, why would the Bloods kill him for what? Over their queen. But why? Like, you know, there's nothing to indicate in his life. Cell phone records, computer stuff, like nothing to show any connection with this gang. But they're in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And yes, there's gangs, but it's not that common for that area. So the police are like, "Eh, we're kind of, this is a little suspect because again, not super common in the area. Well, the next day, Kayla goes to work 
at the restaurant and she gets another letter that is written to her. That letter said that if she's not careful, she's going to be next. Did they take samples from her? What you mean? Like writing samples. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, this isn't forensic files. So again, the police come, get the letter, check it out. And they're like, this just doesn't feel right. Like they feel like it's someone trying to fake being part of this gang to trick them to get them off the path of whoever actually did this to Dominique. Yeah. So they run the DNA from the cigarette butts that they found at her house, but they got nothing from the cigarette butts. Because remember, Kayla's building her house. Like, it's under construction still. So we know how messy construction sites are. Workers leave cigarette butts, bottles, all of that, because it gets cleaned up. They just do whatever. I mean, you know. Yeah. So the police are doing a little more digging and they find out that Dominique and Kayla had actually broken up for a couple of months back in 2004. Now, during this time, Dominique started dating a girl named Yolanda Muldrow and they were together for about six months. It was a really good relationship, but Dominique actually ended up getting back with Kayla and Yolanda ended up getting back with her ex. But not long after they broke up, she found out that she was pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Yolanda was like, oh, fuck. Like, this is not good. Like, we just got back with our exes. Like, shit, you know. But it is what it is. We got to move forward. But she actually ended up having a miscarriage at home. Aw. And she knew what was going on. And she was safe. So, she decided not to go get medical treatment. Because it was her way of coping. She's like, I know what just happened. Like, she couldn't cope. And so, she just dealt with it. But after the miscarriage, she started getting sick over the next few months. So she's like, okay, let me go to the doctor and figure out what's going on. And they're like, girl, you're pregnant. And she's like, no, I'm not. I just had a miscarriage. Like, there's no way I'm pregnant. Yeah. And they're like, girl, you had twins and one survived. Oh, my gosh. So once she found out she was pregnant, she was like, shit, like, Dominique and I don't even talk anymore. Like, I don't have his phone number. He's not on social media. I don't have any way of getting in contact with him. But I'm going to be honest, that sounded weird to me because I'm like, y'all were together for six months. You don't know where he lived? He lived with his mama. Yeah. Like, how you didn't know where he lived? Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was weird. So either way, whatever the issues were of getting in contact, it took four whole years. And she actually went through the child support offices to be able to find Dominique and when he found out he had a kid he was like excited he was like oh my god like okay got another kid gotta do this gotta do that and he was super excited to meet the baby well four-year-old at this point unfortunately he went missing before he ever got to meet his other kid oh man so this makes people suspicious of Kayla like did she know about the kid like why didn't she tell police about this? Was she mad at Dominique for having a baby with somebody else, even though they were on a break, insert Ralph Skeller? <laughs> so they bring her in for some more questioning because, again, this is a pretty big revelation. Like, hold on, he had a kid while y'all were broken up. You didn't tell it, you know. When she comes in, this time she changes her story. She tells police that, okay, actually, I did see him on July 4th. So she got off work at like, 2 a.m. July 4th, 2 a.m. Because at first I was like, this timeline is confusing. <laughs> but like, actually 2 a.m. on July 4th. She went and picked Dominique up. They went and got some food and she took him back home. After that, she goes 
to her house, which is very confusing because it's like under construction, but they're having a barbecue there that day and shooting fireworks and people are staying there. So it is super confusing, but we're going to go with it. Maybe she like lived in a trailer on her land. Unsure. But that day, which would have been July 4th, Uh they were having a barbecue and like I said, shooting fireworks and all that. Her daughters were there, and so was her friend Jarrell. So later that night, July 4th, at like 11 p.m., she says Dominique gets there and he's pissed because Jarrell was there. But I'm also like, well, how'd he get there? Because he didn't take his mom's car. Yeah. So obviously there's holes in the story. Yeah. Also, why was he not there during the day? Unsure. So she said Dominique was pissed. Like I said, that Jarrell was there, and they got in a physical fight. Well, Jarrell goes to his trunk and gets his gun. Dominique sees this and is like, fuck, starts running when Jarrell shoots him twice in the back as he's running. And she just covered this up for what reason? Right. So the police are like, okay. So police go pick up Jarrell Yarbert to talk to him about what Kayla had just told them. And he's like, wait, she said what? He was like, absolutely not. She called me and said that she needed help. He said that when he got there, Dominique was already dead and in a burn pile. And Kayla said that she had accidentally shot him when they were arguing. So she didn't have enough fuel to burn the body. So she asked Jarrell to help her put the remains in this like Rubbermaid tote. And then they dumped him on the side of the road. Oh my gosh. So, Jarrell gets charged with abuse of a corpse and hindering an investigation. So, the police bring Kayla back in to interview her again, a little more pointed this time, a little more aggressive, like, like you're for real this suspect. Right. And they confront her with all of these lies, because she had changed her story multiple times at this point. And finally, she admits that, okay, she did shoot him. But then she said it was in self-defense. But there is no evidence of domestic abuse ever. Like, ever. They even went back. I'm kind of jumping a little bit. But they even went back and talked to Yolanda to be like, tell us about your relationship. Like, was there any evidence like that he had been abusive in the past? Was he abusive with you? And she was like, absolutely not. Like, basically, he was a big old teddy bear. Like, he didn't ever get violent, angry, yell. Like, she was like, we had a good relationship, was absolutely not abusive with her. So, what Kayla did was she killed him, burned his body, and then left and went on her church camp like nothing ever happened. Wow. And, of course, she forged the gang letters. I do want to say that just because he wasn't violent with Yolanda doesn't mean, you know, Not being violent in one relationship doesn't mean that you've never been violent. Right. But, like, usually there's a pattern. Usually there's at least evidence of behavior where it's like, oh, yeah, he got really mad when the waiter got something wrong. You know, like, there's usually some patterns of behavior where something sticks out and makes you go, ooh, that was weird. That was never there in, in his relationship with Yolanda, none of his family. You know, he just wasn't a violent person. So Kayla ended up pleading guilty to first-degree murder and abuse of a corpse. She was sentenced to 31 years in prison, and she'll be eligible for parole in January of 2029 when she's 47. Because all this happened, she was like in her 20s. Wow. Jarrell 
uh, pled guilty and he got 493 days in prison with 18 years probation. And the thing is, is that all I can think about is now there's three kids without a dad and two of them are now without a dad and a mom. And it's all because one person was selfish and now the kids have to be raised by Kayla's family. Yeah. Okay, before we get into your story or talk any more about mine, we got to talk about Felix Gray because they are back. I mean, they never left our lives because we use Felix Gray glasses, but they're back on the podcast. True, true. I mean, I really love my little purple frames. If you don't know what Felix Gray is, well, are you even listening to the podcast? But I'll tell you just in case you may not have heard. Felix Gray's glasses block out 15 times more blue light. And what's so bad about blue light, you ask? Good question. Blue light can make screen time tough on your eyes and disruptive to your sleep. Blue light comes from phones, tablets, computers, laptops, TV, literally anything that's like a screen. And if you get those notifications of your screen time every week and it's just going up and up and up and up and up, you need these glasses. (laughs) Why are you looking directly at me when you say that? Because the blue light causes headaches, blurry vision, dry and tired eyes and gives you trouble sleeping because exposure to blue light at night can lower the production of melatonin which is other than what donna takes at night it's the hormone that helps you sleep and regulates your sleep but for real for real when i do not wear a felix gray glasses when i'm working the computer really makes my eyes tired and sometimes the words are blurry to me but when i wear felix gray that does not happen The good thing about Felix Gray, too, is that whether you need prescription or non-prescription glasses, readers, or kids' glasses, they've got you covered. So if you want to get the best blue light glasses on the market, go to felixgrayglasses.com slash creep. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash creep. That is C-R-E-E-P. You can get prescriptions, non-prescription glasses with free shipping, free returns, and free exchanges. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash creep. Okay, well, I'm staying in California with this episode. Not that your story took place in California, but my last one did. Oh, I was like, ma'am, I was in Arkadelphia. Yeah, it's not about you. It's about me. But this story centers around a lady named Danielle Oberosler and her haunted house. Danielle is a tattoo artist and the owner of the tattoo room in Simi Valley. In 2008, she was looking for a house closer to her work and she stumbled upon a property that seemed too good to be true. And we often know what that means, but it was a good sense home for her and her daughter. There's also a guest house in the back and she was thinking, hey, I can renovate that and make it my art studio for her slash a guest room for friends and family. But she was renovating it because in the long run, she might could rent it out and make some passive income. Well, nothing really spooky happened at first, but definitely something weird did. Danielle was cleaning the guest house and she was like, first things first, let's get this nasty carpet out of here. And we all have seen the HGTV shows and it's like so satisfying when they roll that nasty carpet back and then there's hardwood floors under there. Well, that's what happened to Danielle. She's like, oh, okay, this has real hardwood floors, but there's also a hole in the center of the room in the back. And when I saw pictures of this, it was more like 
it was in the center of this little nook. It wasn't like in the center of the room. It was like a build out of a nook and it was in the center of that. She was actually on Paranormal Witness and that episode is titled The Pit because that's what they called this hole. Danielle said it was this big hole that looked like the wood had been destroyed in a hurry. It wasn't something that they like methodically done. It looked like people just ripped the hardwood floors up around there and it was this center hole. But she couldn't see anything in the pit. She could see a little hole, however, and that was in a window right above the pit. And it appeared to be either one, someone mowed the wrong way, flung a big rock into the glass. And, you know, as a homeowner, she had my luck and that ruins the fucking the glass in the window. Or two, a bullet hole. Ooh. But Danielle was like, okay, that wasn't in the listing. But you know what? I can fix both of these issues. No worries. Because she knew that the guest house was going to be a fixer upper anyway. So she was like, you know what? Rolling with the punches. You said this was in California. Well, I did just learn on a TikTok that said in California, if a death occurred um, greater than three years ago, the realtor doesn't have to disclose. Ooh. Just learned that on TikTok. It may be completely false because, you know, TikTok isn't breaking news, <laughs> but it is for me. So here we are. <laughs> well, about a month in and the guest room was renovated and her friend Greg was the first to actually witness something paranormal. On a paranormal witness, they showed that he was in the guest house using the bathroom. He told Danielle that he felt like he was being watched but he knew there was no one there but him. He also heard a loud breathing sound, like an exhale. Oh, well, I was like, well, I'm not in the room. I know I'm a heavy breather, but I was not in the room. <laughs> but he was like, you know, uh, that's weird because I'm alone. But also, who knows? It could have been the wind. It could have been whatevs. There were also a few friends that had stayed in the guest house, but never for an extended period. So when they described things that happened, Danielle just kind of laughed it off like, oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. But they had said like the bed shook, phantom sounds. And like I said, Danielle honestly didn't think much of it. Well, they were in California. So what if there was a little mini earthquake? Who knows? But she thought like they were more so trying to pull her leg or that they legit thought something paranormal was going on, but it was just their imagination. But all that changed when the guest house had a semi-permanent guest, her friend Hannah Tech. Hannah had just moved from Australia to work at the tattoo room with her. So she was going to rent out the guest house for a while until, you know, she decided if she wanted to plant roots in California. Well, it didn't take long before things went bump in the night for Hannah. Hannah would go into work and ask Danielle, you know, hey, did anything ever happen to you in the guest house? And Danielle was like, no, but why are you asking? Hannah went on to explain weird sounds that happened for no apparent reason. Like one time she was trying to sleep and the sound of a squeaky floorboard kept her awake. She said it was like someone was trying to aggravate her for no reason, but no one was there. She was alone. So it started off kind of lighthearted, like a little prankster ghost. Along with the squeaking floorboard, Hannah experienced things that would be moved. She left the house one day and she realized that she had left something in there. So she went right back in and tripped over something as soon as she walked in. It was a vacuum cleaner, one that she did not leave there. 
But soon, they both kind of laughed off things occurring in the guest house and were just like, oh, Casper the Friendly Ghost, he was a kind of roomie. But all the laughs faded when Hannah smelled sulfur one night. The next day, she told Danielle and Danielle was secretly like, oh, shit, that's what they say is a telltale sign of demons in all the shows. But outwardly, she was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll keep a close watch on that. She didn't want to freak Hannah out since she was still staying there and really had nowhere else to live right then. But then Hannah started getting physically attacked. She was in the shower and all of a sudden the water would turn freezing cold. And at the same time, she felt her hair being pulled hard by an unseen force. She also said that she felt like she was being touched by someone or something. And it would be in inappropriate places. Oh, Yeah, like the ghost just was groping her. Oh, uh-uh. Not okay. There was an incident when Hanna was cooking at the stove, and she was pulled backward by someone pulling on her shirt, but no one was there. She would also wake up with bruises or scratches randomly on her body. Then one night, Hanna was asleep, and she woke up to the sound of footsteps walking toward her. That's when she saw apparitions of men standing by her bed. So that, of course, freaked her out, but they quickly vanished. Hannah also said, you know, how the water would turn freezing cold. That wasn't the only thing that would do that. She would come home from working and it would be freezing inside the guest house. And it wasn't what she had the thermostat set to. Hannah's personality started to change. It was a gradual change, but it was occurring. Danielle said that Hannah had just kind of stopped wanting to hang out with anyone, and she didn't even want to go to shows with Danielle anymore, and that was their thing, as many local bands as they could. She was on the verge of becoming a recluse. Hannah did open up to Danielle that on some occasions, it was like she lost time. She said that she just found herself standing at the window with her hand on the glass, just like she was looking for someone, but it's like she woke up and that's where she was. That's got to be so scary, just completely losing like a hunk of time. Yeah. Hell, it's weird enough when you go into a room and you're like, wait, why did I come in here? And you can't remember and you're like, huh, that's weird. But, like, losing minutes. Like, how did I get here? Yes. And you're, like, in a totally different place. That is so scary. Yeah. Danielle was on No Cover TV, which is a YouTube channel. She was being interviewed along with a paranormal investigator who had investigated her house. His name is Stefan. He said that he had actually stayed in the guest room, had had a similar experience to Hannah, where he would lose time and he just found himself... Like, looking out the window, just staring in the mirror, you know, just random things. Hannah actually ended up moving out and returning to Australia. But it wasn't because the guest house had defeated her. She was doing it for love, for a relationship. Even if it was because of that damn guest house, okay, it's okay to tap out. Uh Uh-huh. Because something's tapping you. Inappropriately. Yeah. But now that Hannah is not there, Danielle is determined to figure out what is actually in that guest house. She had refrained from investigating or allowing anyone to come in because Hannah was still there and, like she had mentioned before, didn't have anywhere else to go and yeah. didn't want to like freak her out to say, oh, this has this demon, that demon, all you know, all the things and be like, okay, have a good night. Bye. 
Danielle turned to her friend Sam Von Bitter, who is a witch, and she put her in touch with her friend Jessica, who is a psychic medium. Danielle made an appointment for Jessica to come over and investigate, but the day of the appointment, Jessica called and informed Danielle that she had to cancel, that she had been visited at her house by an entity that was from Danielle's house. She was freaked out and she was like, no, I haven't ever been there, but I knew he was from there and he now knew where I lived. How? You know, Mm -hmm. and she was like, I got a sense that he was mean and I don't need that in my life. The entity told Jessica that he was earthbound and Jessica said that meant that she couldn't cleanse the house to get rid of him. I don't know if that's true or not, like, but I think what she meant is that something is there that's tying him to that place. So he's earthbound to that place. So if you can find, you know, his whatever that you have to uncover, his soul can be at peace, whatever. I I don't know. Hmm. I've never heard of that. Almost like an unfinished business kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I can't leave because no one has found my body yet. So can you like search here? And if you like uncover a bone or something, then I'm free. Well, Danielle is like, that's fine if you can't get rid of anything. I just want to know what's happening. And so Danielle pleaded with her and Jessica finally agreed to do a walkthrough with her. But she was like, I'll do the walkthrough if I can make it to your house. She said that spirits have a way of making it known that they don't want you there by messing with like the GPS, the radio, all those little things. And if that was any indication to her that she was going to be in trouble, she was going to bounce because she's already been visited by an entity from this house. But she did make it there. And she said that someone had done a satanic ritual at the back of the guest house. She also said that that spirit that was mean was a biker. And she did pinpoint the place where the pit had been before Danielle covered it up. Jessica was like, whatever is in the dirt here, it's dangerous. And if Danielle had any hope in cleansing her guest house, she would have to get rid of whatever was in that dirt. And at that time, she did not know anything about the pit being under there. But that made Danielle be like, oh, shit. This girl's legit. That might be a slogan for someone. Oh shit, this girl legit. (laughs) So Danielle had removed the plywood that she had covered the hole with. And they had just put like the plywood and, you know, some carpet right there. Just being like, oh, nothing ever happened. Because you're on a budget and it's not cheap replacing your hardwood and all that things and like (gasps) matching it. All of that. That's the damn truth. So she started digging in this hole and she was thinking, oh God, I'm going to find a body. This is what's going to happen. She really didn't know what to expect, but she didn't find a body. She did find a bone. She took it to the local police station and they were like, I mean, we can't run all these tests because you need to actually take it to the sheriff's office because you're in that jurisdiction. But they kind of like just looked at it and stuff. And they were like, I mean, it does look like a bone. Because they said that you could see like the marrow around it. So she calls the sheriff's station. They send someone over. And he's like looking at it. He's like, huh, it kind of feels soft. And he like closes his hands around it hard. You know, like, huh, soft, huh? And it like literally just was like dust. <gasps> gross so it's like um well that was an old bone 
right? Like, is this your first day of policing? (laughs) Right. So then that was that. But she said that they do believe it was an animal bone, like not a human bone. Well, thank God. Fuck. Well, her friend of 25 plus years, Greg, he told Danielle that he had a friend, Stefan, the one I mentioned earlier, and that he was a paranormal investigator and that they should get him to come check it out. Through Stefan and mediums, they found out more about the house. There's a biker who haunted it, and they didn't like anyone being there. A medium said that they had a vision of a woman being restrained by a biker, and she eventually got shot and killed by him. And they pointed to the window and said, that's one of the bullets. Oh, you called it. Well, you know, you said a rock or a bullet, but still. (laughs) The guest house wasn't the only house having activity before long. The prankster things were happening at Danielle's home, too. Phantom noises, things going missing. And then worse things like breaking glass and almost most people at the house were losing sleep. Certain rooms smelled like mildew. Yeah. And others smelled like sulfur at times. Danielle said her mom was actually being touched inappropriately like Hannah had been before. When Danielle tried to sleep, she said that she felt like there were dogs jumping on her at times. Danielle and her family still live in that house today. And on that No Cover TV YouTube video that I watched, she said that at the end of 2020, things got really bad. Like her daughter and mother were both getting scratched and had, I think, some little burn marks on them. But they were able to cleanse the house in January of 2021. And her friend, Sam Von Bitter, she found a shaman named Michael. So they went to his place, Danielle and her daughter, Morgan. Danielle brought her daughter because it seemed like if her daughter spent the night away from the house, the family that she was staying with, they would have weird incidents occur. So she thought that she might need to include her to see if something had latched onto her. Well, how Danielle described it is like he put them both on massage tables and then he pulled a pendulum out and put them over and like was you know, like asking questions, whatever. And it was actually Danielle. He said that her chakras were off. She was leaking energy and the entity was feeding off of that. Her daughter's chakras were good. Michael then went in depth working with Danielle. She said that he helped her release trauma from her timeline along with other things. And so when her root chakra was fixed, He said that she stopped leaking energy and that she would no longer be haunted by that biker spirit. Danielle didn't really believe anything would change and she wasn't too sure about Michael because she thought like a shaman was going to come in, like recite some stuff, do some things and cleanse the house that way. But when she arrived home, her mom said that there was a loud banging upstairs around noon when Danielle was meeting with Michael, but now everything had been quiet. So Danielle was like, oh, okay, maybe he did do something. But things still were occurring, but nothing like malicious. However, Michael went on to work with her daughter, Morgan, a little bit more because he said, oh, no, you have gifts and I'm going to help you hone in on your craft and like you could really help the situation. And no one was able 
to help with that pit because they said that was basically a portal then like that being there and that that's why there were many spirits at certain times and other times it seemed to just be that biker anyway people had tried to close it and they couldn't but morgan was able to close that portal now i will say i'm going to end with this because i kind of side-eyed this but also who am i to judge They also said like how how spirits would come in through that portal. They sometimes got famous spirits. Oh, God. Elvis? No. Think about where it is. California. Yeah. Close to Simi Valley. Biker gangs. Uh. Charles Manson. Oh. I ain't coming to y'all. So, (laughs) they said that and I was like, okay, now I'm like. Now you're pulling a carry and you're like, well, this is not real. Yeah, I was just like, so how much of this was real then? I don't know. I mean, she's wrote a book about it and, you know, but she still like owns her tattoo shop. That's her like main source of income. But she has done, like I said, Paranormal Witness. She's like been on these YouTube channels and other podcasts, I believe, talking about her experience. I don't know. That kind of hit me in a weird way. Like, yeah, I don't know about that. But like I said, who am I to really know? Because I don't fucking know. Before we talk about that rigmarole, we got to talk about HelloFresh. They're back. We love them. And y'all know that we used HelloFresh way before they became a sponsor on this podcast. So that tells you how much we love it. But what's not to love? Because HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Delivered right to your doorstep, it has farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes. And even better, you save a trip to the grocery store, and it's 25% less expensive than takeout. And who wants to go to the grocery store? If you live in a small town like me and Carrie, you see everyone, and they all want to talk to you. HelloFresh has over 35 weekly recipes, so there's literally something to please everyone. They have options like quick and easy that have 20-minute meals, easy cleanup, all of that, but you can pick for different dietary needs too, like vegetarian, which is what Donna does because the sight of uncooked meat grosses her out. (laughs) Yes. You can pick your family size. So if it's just me and Colby, we do the two. But if you do kids, you can get different sized boxes. If it's just you, still go for the meal for two and you'll have leftovers. Yeah, when Colby was working shutdowns and we were still getting HelloFresh, I would do that and I would just have the leftovers for lunch and it was still good. But we know holiday season right around the corner. If you're hosting a holiday party or you just want to stock up on snacks, you'll find everything you need at HelloFresh Market. They even have quick breakfast and charcuterie boards and desserts. That is speaking my language right there. Another thing that speaks my language really is that you don't have to use a lot of dishes to make these HelloFresh meals. And that's what I hate when you're just like doing everything yourself and like you have to measure out stuff. Not on HelloFresh. I can use the pre-portioned ingredients and not have to dirty up other things. If it cuts down on cleanup time, I am all for it. Well, and two, you get to pick meals that you may not normally have tried or or even not think that you could cook something like that because it's step-by-step instructions. You can cook any meal they give you. Exactly. What you got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Creep65 and use promo code Creep65 for 65% off plus free shipping. 
That's HelloFresh.com slash Creep65 and use promo code Creep65 for 65% off and like Carrie said, free shipping. This is not a lie. My stomach is growling right now talking about HelloFresh. So don't forget HelloFresh.com slash Creep65 and use promo code Creep65 for 65% off plus free shipping. So, you know, I'm always kind of the whole story And I really was when it was like, oh, all of this is just your chakras are not aligned. Yeah, but I don't know. How can somebody else's chakras, like, if your chakras aren't aligned, why am I having shit? But it's her house. Yeah, I don't buy it. I don't, it's her guest house. Yeah, but I mean, if the, I don't know. I mean, we don't share bunk beds. It's a guest house. (laughs) Like, I don't get it. That's true. And... Manson. I know. I almost didn't say it because I was like, this is going to push Carrie over the top. Never going to hide anything. So I was like, okay, I got to share the Manson story. Manson could give two fucks about this girl and her chakras. (laughs) But he could be like, just being like, do-si-do, do-si-do, you know, singing his tunes that he loved. And saw a portal and was like, and I, oop. No, homeboy is making his scorpions and... (laughs) He ain't studying somebody. I don't know. I can't come up with anything clever (laughs) or say the word. But (laughs) the point is, it ain't him. Yeah. His story ain't real. And end scene. (laughs) Danielle, if you're out there and you want to tell Carrie that she's full of it, hit us up. Uh, Ditto, sis. I want to tell her she's full of it. Oh, shit. Just kidding. Okay. It's going to be, you remember (laughs) that celebrity death match? Nobody's going to die here. Well, no, but, you know, it was claymation. Claymation, yeah. <laughs> That's just what I picture. Because <laughs> y'all both have blonde hair, too. Like, I don't know. My brain just went somewhere. I will say, too, sometimes when a story is on multiple shows, it makes me, like, mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even, like, a true crime story. Like, if it's on, if you're on, like, all of these different shows, like, either it's a huge story I don't know, like one of the stories I did in the last couple of weeks, I just felt like this one investigator was on every one of them, yeah. you know, and I just felt like every time I watched something with him, it was just more and more and more like dramatic, the dramatic flair of it, yeah. you know. So sometimes when, especially with your stories, when they're on multiple shows, it's like, okay, true crime, they're trying to get the victim's story out there. But like this, I mean, technically, if it's real, they're a victim. They're a victim. But it's like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But she was only on one show. Oh, okay. I misunderstood you then. Yeah. But so like her story was on one show and then she was on other like podcasts and radio stuff promoting that and telling her story gotcha okay i misunderstood happens all the time dear when i'm wrong i say you're wrong (laughs) well let's talk about your story ma'am the thing about your story that pisses me off the most is we don't know what really happened like why were they fighting was he abusive or what but like why were they fighting i wonder if like he just found out I need to know the timeline. Did he just find out about the other kid and he was telling her? I don't think that was like the first time she heard it. What police think is that she was bitter about her life being put on hold when she got pregnant in high school, her not being able to go off to college, and then now her basically being his caregiver because he was such a homebody 
that like you even said in your your story almost to the point of like a recluse like yeah she would have to take food to him she would ha- i mean he didn't have a car so she'd have to give him rides and all of that and it was like I, so i don't know it was like she was ta- having to take care of him and their kids yeah so it was just like too much like and now you've got this other kid and um, she snapped yeah so i don't know how true that is that was just one of the theories but we know people who are this is not all gamers but we know people who are gamers that that is truly their world like that's all they do they will miss work they will you know neglect their families all the things to play the game whatever game it is yeah and so i mean i can see that if he's like sucked into that world that happening you know but he also lived with his mom so i feel like his mom would probably be more the one who would drive him places or well they shared a car yeah yeah so i just feel like y'all didn't even live in the same house right then right so you can't tell me that you had to do all the things all the time for him when y'all didn't even live together well and like how even the morning that she said that she picked him up and took him after she got off work and took him to eat like i feel like that's something we would do like hey i'm going to waffle house do you want to go yeah sure come on oh my god before we end this we have to tell you this funny story go ahead about colby yeah okay so friday for the yard sale when we were like getting everything ready turns out we had like our best day of the yard sale that day um i was being a royal bitch that morning like i <laughs> colby and i were go had to go to lowe's to get uh something to do the clothes on and we were going to get breakfast. I was like, are we going to go to Lowe's first? Thinking, I don't want to have to go to the bathroom in Lowe's if we <laughs> eat first. And he was like, no, we're going to get food in you first. Like, so I will quit being hangry. <laughs> so anyway, so I take, Donna does too. We both take Buse Bar as like a, well, we take it regularly, but we also can take it as like a breakthrough, like PRN anxiety thing. Yeah. So I took like two extra when I got home because I was like, I got to get this under control. Once we started getting stuff unloaded and people started coming, it was utter chaos for hours. Yes. And Colby was like, he came out with um, a Coke and he was like, I got my my busy bar because that's what we call him because it's what my sister called him one time. He's like, I got my busy bar and it was uh, whiskey and his Coke. I <laughs> died because he's not a drinker. Like for him to go make himself a drink, it cracked me up because he does not drink. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was, it was so funny. funny. Oh, my God. It was so funny. We were about to go over to my other sister's house to eat dinner after everything. And um, my sister with her two kids, don't they don't have like a RoboVac, like a Roomba or whatever. And we have one. And I showed the five-year-old Allie how to turn it on. And she was like, why are we doing this? And Colby said, because it looks like we mowed grass in here. Because there was so much people like tracking it in. Oh, my God. <laughs> he for coming from such a large family the chaos that is my family is nothing that he's used to and it <laughs> makes me laugh so hard because we are chaos yes but in the most comical way oh well thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us don't forget to like subscribe review and remember creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared, scared.